This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, hello and welcome to a very special episode of the No Nay Never podcast. I'm Dave Roberts, and before I introduce our very special guest, I'd also like to welcome along George Poole, who will be joining me in today's proceedings. Hi, George, how are you? Hi, Dave. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks. I'm buzzing to be uh, here with Barry, you know, a Burnley legend. Oh, have I just spoiled our special guest? Well, today's special guest probably doesn't need too much introduction to Burnley fans, uh, but suffice to say that as Burnley's chairman from the end of 1998, uh, right through until May 2012, and then continuing as a director and also vice chairman until the end of last year, he played a pivotal role in the club's history, certainly recent history. Uh, So I'd like to welcome along Barry Kilby to the No Name Ever podcast. Hi, Barry. Hi. Hi, everybody. Nice to be here and talking to you. It's great to have you along. Great you've uh, agreed to, to speak to us and hopefully impart some uh, wisdom to our listeners. OK, well, let's, uh, I'm a little apprehensive, but let's see how we go. I'm sure it'll be fine. I um, just want to start off, really, um, going, going way back, if, if we may. Um, it, living between Burnley and Blackburn, you, you grew up uh, with the Burnley supporting father. Uh, was there ever a chance that you might have ended up supporting a team in blue and white instead of the Clarets? I'm right in thinking that perhaps your uh, the fact your father became a Burnley fan was more by chance than anything else. Well, there is the story that he told me back in about 1934. Uh, my dad pestered my granddad to take him to a football match, and he said, "Right, we're going next Saturday." So they lived in Clayton Moore's by the way, which is obviously halfway between Blackburn and halfway between Burnley. And he said, right, we're going next Saturday. And it just so happened that Burnley were at home that Saturday. And so they got on the bus and went and watched Burnley. And my dad was there forever. I have often wondered if it had been the week before or the week, the week after what would have happened there. But uh, thank the almighty. It was Burnley, and then my dad was hooked, and uh, Burnley's been in the family ever since. Yeah, let, let's not contemplate that. I think uh, Burnley fans are very happy the way it uh, it did pan out in the end, although these things can be down to uh, to luck, can't they? Um, can you actually remember the first Burnley match your dad took you, you to? I mean, obviously, you were going from quite a young age, weren't you? Uh, yes, I was. Oh, that's, a, that's a real one. 
I can't give you some exact. I was going roughly, I'd say about 1958, 59. I do remember the championship season and I went to some with my dad there. I'm sorry I can't give you a specific. Um, I very much remember, you know, when they went to Manchester City and won the title, um, that that I I couldn't go to Main Road to to the game. But, I, but, but I, they were coming back on the, on the coach afterwards to the club and being there waiting for my dad to come back. So I can't give you an absolute exact one as I think about it, but it was roughly then when I was about nine years old, something like that, that uh, I started going and sitting with my dad in what's now the Bob Lloyd stand. I think they called him Bob Lloyd stand perhaps then, but no, I don't think they did, but sitting in the stand with my dad. And he had a season ticket back then, did he? Yeah, he, he had a season ticket back then. Yeah, um, he was he was an absolute Burnley fanatic. Um, also, it's a I, I, <laughs> I can remember just a two years or so after that, me and my dad getting ejected from Aston Villa's ground. Um, it, it was the this was the Hapton Pit disaster, and yeah. what happened was. Uh, we played Aston Villa. I was going then with my dad to all the coach game. I think it was about 62 this. Uh, to all to all to the Burnley games by a coach. And they'd, they had a minute silence for the miners that had died in the Hapton uh, pit disaster. And uh, halfway through that, this Aston Villa fan about five rows down from us started shouting and uh, there was an advert then, you lads are too, too young to remember it. There was an advert then called Mackison on telly where somebody shouted Mackison, all these bottles started shaking. And this guy shouted right in the middle of the minute silence, Mackison, and my dad went berserk. And he ran down and started, and they started scrapping. Long story short, me and my dad got ejected from the ground. I was there with my school cap on. And uh, we, uh, we spent the whole match walking around Aston Villa's ground listening to the crowd and everything like that. So that was, I was quite young when I got ejected from, uh, <laughs> from a football ground with my dad. But he was yeah. a, a real big, he went to all the European matches and... Um, and he you took know, you to the uh, 1962 FA Cup final as well, didn't he? Yes, I went to the 62 Cup final with him. Uh, remember well, Burnley equalising before we'd sat down, Tottenham got, put the second one in. I think it was Smith or somebody like that who scored. Yeah, I was there at the 62 final with him. So it was, uh, he was a real, a real Burnley fan. And, uh, you know, right through where you went to the, the, the games with Naples and all that type of thing. Um, you know, sold tickets for the lottery and all that. He was a, he was a true, true claret, my dad. There weren't too many uh, Burnley fans who went to that game, I don't think. The one at uh, Naples, were there? Yeah, and the, another one there, of course. I don't know whether he told me this, that... Uh, there was a riot at the end mm. and he told me the police came uh, and protected this, the small number of Burnley fans. And he told me that the, the police put them in the prison in Naples to protect them from the other, the other fans. But I'm never quite sure whether actually my dad was put in, in jail <laughs> directly. But his story was that uh, they were there for protection. So, yeah, he went to Naples. And, uh, you know, then the, the 67 ick around that time, I remember him going there and everything like that. I've got photographs everywhere for all that type of thing. 
Fantastic, fantastic. And just going on a bit, little bit from that, um, obviously you were brought up a Burnley fan and, uh, through your father and had uh, watched plenty of matches, but then you got an opportunity to play for the club. Can you tell us a little bit more about yes, how I that did. came about? Uh, I went to Clitheroe Grammar School and uh, what happened was uh, I played in all the teams at Clitheroe. I captained Lancashire Schoolboys and uh, I was ready to go to Hull University at the end, at the end of that, uh, my year at uh, my last year at Clitheroe, and uh, what uh, what happened was uh, Clitheroe Football Club came and said, "Well, while it be in, before you go, will you play some games?" So I played some games for Clitheroe Football Club. I think it was the Lanks Combination, one of those. And then Burnley came in and said, "Oh, we want to." We want to sign you up and play you in the junior teams, the A team and, and that that sort of thing. And it was too big a temptation. So I, I didn't go to Hull University. So I went to play to Burnley, uh, for Burnley. My usual uh, tagline for this one is now, I signed alongside with Martin Dobson and he went on to play for England and I went on to play for Padium. So, you know... Um, <laughs> That's what happened. Uh, they let me go after, after a year. And so then for a year, I worked in the Burnley Lottery Office for a year as well. But the, there was always that connection there with Burnley Football Club. Good evening, Barry. It's a pleasure to speak to you. Uh, George Hi. here. Uh, I just wanted to, to talk to dwell a little bit on the Clitheroe Grammar Connection. I actually met you a few years ago at, at the sixth form uh, while I was oh, head right. boy there. And oh, I, I, actually, I, I remember seeing a plaque on the wall, actually. I'm pretty sure which was indicating you were the first team captain yes, uh, back, in the, yeah. back in the day. I just wanted to know, what was your experience of uh, going to Clitheroe Grammar and how did it you know, set you up for the very successful years to come? Well, obviously, I was a Clitheroe Grammar School boy. Then you passed your 11 plus to go, etc. And the, the, the teachers were great, uh, you know, bringing me through, uh, then playing for Lancashire, et cetera, et cetera. It was a great school, I think, and really good on the sport, et cetera. And I owe them quite a lot. And Barry, going forward, you mentioned about the time at Burnley and spent about 12 months there. Um, interestingly, one one other player who was involved, you mentioned Martin Dobson, but it was also around about the time that uh, Stan Turner was there. Do you recall him being a player at the club when you were there or did he gone you by know, then? I, I can't. I can't honestly. I, I, I think I do, yeah, vaguely. Yeah, that Stan, Stan was playing them for Burnley in those years. I mean, we're talking here like 68, yeah. Yeah, 68, 67, 68 season. Yeah, I think I he there. went to Carlisle the season after, didn't he? I think he did. I think he did. I'm not 100% on it, but I think he did, yeah. And of course, well, your path I'm... didn't cross, or if they did, they weren't too memorable. <laughs> no, no, he was one of them icons of the first team. So you know, I was just down there with the plebs. <laughs> um, although you're clearly a claret, um, having supported the club since you were a boy, how much of a shock to the system was it in later life when you uh, came club chairman? Because it was a a little bit of a whirlwind, wasn't it? That um, that time, late 1998, things that had gone on with the club earlier it in the was, year, you came uh, in as a director and then it, the, it's a kind of... The club, the club were really struggling uh, under, under the board of directors with Frank Teasdale, etc. Um, they were, the bank were, were threatening to foreclose. They had a three million debt. Um, they, they'd fallen out with uh, Stan Turnant, who, who 
mentioned that he was going to wasn't going to play some players or something like that, and there was a big standoff there, and they were they were trying to get somebody to, uh, uh, you know, come in, and it just worked brilliant for me because uh, uh, my my first business uh, I sold uh, I sold to a company called G Tech, and it just coincided with that, so I was able to come in and uh, you know take over the club, settle the debt, and then I did a share issue. Uh, so I didn't want it to get into too much debt and took it on from there. So it, 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 it did coincide when I did get uh, plenty of some cash coming into me and it, it, it was just at the right time that I came in. And it was one of those things that year, I remember there was um, a guy called Peter Shackleton who was involved from a, a, a consortium. He was kind of heading that. And then there was uh, Ray Ingleby, of course. So how, how did yeah. that kind of... Pana, how, how did that uh, settle itself, really? Well, in, in... I, I don't know how Shackleton, Mr. Shackleton, was, uh, you know, um, I, I'm not sure he had the resources. And Ray was there, but he was only half there. So when I took over, I brought him in as vice chairman then, because then he did have a, a, few, a couple of million to put into the pot. Um, so he became my vice chairman when I took over as chairman. And he was happy to play second fiddle to you, was he? Well, well, <laughs> he didn't quite have enough money and it wasn't quite as high up on his... Uh, I was passionate. Ray, it was like he was looking to buy a club, you know, and get into a club. But I persuaded him to come say, come on, come with us and, and that, you can be my vice chairman. And that's how it worked. I think he was from uh, St. Anne's originally. He'd been yeah, over he, in America and he, uh, worked he, over he'd there. He'd been over America. That's where he'd made quite a bit of money. Came back. But, yeah, he was a person from St. Anne's. Not particularly football. But he just fancied having a club type of thing, Ray. Uh, but don't get me wrong, he was a very good number two for me, was Ray. And he, he had some things like... He, he was the one that brought Ian Wright to the club a little bit down the line. It was his contacts that did it. Some things like that he was excellent at. So I, I guess in terms of that, you were the, the spearhead, you were the chairman for a long time, but it was a team effort. There was a group of directors, yes, Clive Holt, who'd been in the club a long time. Uh, I tried to get people to invest. I did the share issue and then I built the, the directors. I had about eight new directors, uh, John Turkington. And, come on, Barry. There were about eight of us at the end of the day. Who, they could all divvy up, you know, half a million, something like that. To, to enter the club's coffers uh, to get us out of the debt and start us being able to like try and build a team. So that, that went very well actually over the, and, but they were all, um, yeah, I think they were all Burnley people uh, who had, you know, who, who did identify with the club and local businessmen, very basically. So yeah, and it, it wasn't, it wasn't all plain sailing at the start. You had a, a maybe a tough start in there, and you you stuck with Stan. We had some tricky results, didn't we, that first season? And uh... yes, yes, we did. Um, the, the the worst one was like the the I got on well with Stan, and uh, you know we came back in, but just after Christmas, maybe maybe just slightly later, we uh, we lost at home like something like five nil to to Gillingham. Mm. And a similar score to Manchester City. Six to Manchester City, yeah. Was it, you know all these things that I'm trying to remember. <laughs> and uh, it was really, oof, what do we do? Do we, had a, do we get stand? Anyway, I said, no, come on, let's go for it. Uh, I think we brought uh, Graham, uh, 
And Graham turned, Branch came in, didn't he? Yeah. Graham Branch. Yeah. And we we and uh, so we we managed from that absolute d- disaster to cut it back and and save the season. And I, I remember that season. We, we you mentioned those two games. There was the five nil defeat and the six nil yeah. defeat. We then lost one nil. I don't know why we had three home games in a row. We did. We lost one nil to Preston. That was a televised game. Yes. Um, and then we that. had a, an away draw. And then the pivotal game was a four three win. We came from behind to beat Macclesfield four three, and then went on a, a fantastic right. run to the end of the season. Yeah, I was there at Macclesfield. I remember that. And yeah, we ended up really being safe. Then, of course, we built up to the next season, getting that promotion. Yeah, and what a fantastic season it was, of course, 99-2000, getting Burnley back to the, uh, well, the second tier as it was then, but getting into the, the championship before it was called that, it was uh, a fantastic achievement with, as you say, Ian Wright, the uh, the final piece in the jigsaw that helped getting us over Ian the line. Ian Wright back and that, that famous game at Scunthorpe when we got the win, and uh, I can't think who it would be, the other team that, had to lose. Was it Gillingham or one of them? I can't just remember the yeah, team. Yeah, Wrexham beat them, didn't they? Re- yeah. Wrexham beat them. Yeah. So we're all there and we went up and everybody went mad. I went, I went back in the coach with uh, Stan and uh, Ian Wright and we were out on Burnley that night. We had a great night. So it was it was fabulous that, that time. And we're back into a, the second tier of English football. You mentioned then, Barry, the, the, the pressure on yourselves and Stan when, you know, results weren't going your way. I mean, it was a little before my time um, but I remember I, I have vivid memories of my dad talking about that Gillingham game and, and how bad things looked at the time. Was was there any when when you sort of broached the idea to your family about taking over as chairman uh, in 1998? Was there any trepidation on behalf of uh, uh, in, within your family about the possibility of taking over a club that obviously you've loved since you were a boy? I, I remember um, Bob Lord used to. I've heard down the line, obviously, that Bob Lord felt he had the weight of the whole town on his shoulders as uh, while he was chairman. So was there any trepidation from yourself or your family before taking over? Well, or was it such a whirlwind that you didn't really have time to consider? I think so. I think so. Uh, you know, Sonia, my wife's the boss, but on this, this one, um, I'm sorry, you know, this was it. I know it was a fabulous opportunity and I was going to do it and go for it. And if I lost my money, I lost my money. Um, but, uh, you know, once it, it took a hold and everything, that was it. And, and you know, it was, it was brilliant just to pick it up and go. It's safe to say it turned out well in the end. It, 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 it did. It did. Uh, you know, to get that promotion just after. And then, you know, we had to scrap it out then for, for nearly a decade. It, but we stayed in that, in that championship. Uh, <laughs> We had, we had our challenges in that time as well, Barry, didn't we, with the uh, ITV Digital? ITV Digital was a real blow to us. Um, you know, I often got people used to laugh a bit at me on it, but I used to have them saying that I'll never bet the ranch. Yeah, and that's how I've always run Burnley. And uh, it was like, we, ITV weren't going to go bust, were we? So the money was guaranteed. So we spent up to that money. My God, they went into administration and we were left with a big hole, certainly a few million uh, in the thing. And that was an absolute shock, uh, what happened with that one. And we were really scrambling, you know, to get back even and, and doing all that. That was a real shock, that one, because nobody 
dreamt that ITV, an ITV company, would go into administration. So even though we've been, uh, we've done it like we thought within all capabilities, and that's what that happened. Yeah. And it was one of those things as well where presumably if that had a knock-on effect for probably three or four seasons, didn't it? it wasn't yes, it just did. a case of it's a sudden shock. You've then got to adjust to it and, to and get, and make, to, to get, get money it. where we, we thought we'd be sitting on like a few million quid, which in them days and in that division was good, uh, that we didn't. We had to be a lot more careful. And uh, you know, fortunately, Stan went. Uh so you know, but got Steve Cottrell and then but it was, it, we, we came round and we were there and, you know, we got back and uh, it was, you know, then you know what happened down the, further down the line. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned about manager recruitment. Obviously, when you first came in, Stan Turner was already manager, so you kind of inherited him. Um, yeah. it, there then came a decision later on. You took the decision, I think, to, to let Stan go. He's come to the end of his contract 2003, four, and then big I decision felt, not, not to I renew it. it. What was it? Be? 2004? Yeah, 2004. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm afraid I had the horrible thing. I, I met him uh, in my office on my own, and he came through next season. And I just had to say, Stan, I'm sorry, but it's time we parted. I thought, well, heck, what's he going to do? But he was, thank you, Chairman. Closed his thing and walked out. But he was a good manager in his time. He was a good manager, but it needed the change. You do need that. You know, we were drifting. So that decision was made to, 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 to get a new manager. And looking back at the decision to take the ownership of Turf Moor out of the club, because that was a, another, well, I guess a necessity from your point of view, from the finances. It, again, you're, you're raising cash, you know, you, you take it out, but then rent it back in the money you've got there you use for the club. So there's all these things we have to do from Burnley. We haven't got a, I'm perhaps jumping too far ahead, but we haven't got an Arab, you know, paying bloody a billion quid or something for it. And, and you know, and it's good though. It was local people that owned it, you know, local businessmen. Yes, they had a bob or two, but nothing like something what, we com what we're competing with. So, you know, <laughs> we had to do certain things like that to keep the right side and being able to invest in the team still, etc., etc. Yeah, we were talking about financial difficulties earlier for clubs. And I was actually, when I was doing a bit of research the other day for this interview, I, I came across an interview that you did with Clarets Mad in 2003. Uh, and you voiced, it's, it's a long way back, but you voiced your opposition to the Football League imposing penalties for clubs that go into administration. Now, obviously, that's really topical at the moment, again, with the likes of Derby and lots of other local clubs to us going into administration. As you sort of view on that changed, uh, and is it is it the only way, really, to stop bad ownership of clubs is to, to dock points? Uh, I think maybe I have just changed a little bit now through how football's gone and some of the cynical administrations that I've seen. You know, a, a genuine administration, it's just, it can be something like, not particularly, maybe is bad, but not not absolutely thought of, hey, we'll drop our debts, lads, and, you know, we'll, we'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll carry on and, you know, and then we can, uh, we can come back and, and spend a bit more money and, and improve, we'll, we'll, we'll dump our debts. Uh, 
um, it, it, it's it's uh, that is very cynical, and perhaps that does mean we should uh, there should be points as well that they can't just dump the debts and get new owner in, and then they carry on from where they are. Perhaps that that has changed, in my opinion, because of the cynical way that it's been used. And it's interesting, it's interesting was... to compare it, jumping ahead before we go back to your time at Burnley. When we look at the Super League that was obviously proposed last year, and, and you look at that now and you think, to, to my eyes, them six clubs in the Premier League just got off scot-free. Uh, and there's just, there's, there was no accountability for the, for the Super League clubs, was there at all? When you compare it to the likes of Wigan and Derby, who are going into administration, getting you know, docked heavily. And then you've yeah. got these six clubs that are just getting away scot-free. And just, just just leaving and going on to, you know, we have a lot of uh, foreign owners now that perhaps don't identify in those sort of terms that other, you know, down the way, some of the directors do that, you know, to them it's just, could be, could, it could be somebody else that they, they, they all not not just them. And there's, 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 there are big differences in terms of the, the owners' times of uh, change now. I mean, the sort of money you had to buy a, well, Burnley weren't a championship club. We were a third-tier club at that time. You couldn't dream of doing that these days with, uh, with the way that football finance have gone, could you? No, no, absolutely not. Um, so there has been a, these big changes and, and we're still scrapping away, you know, trying to come up against these... Uh, these absolute mega, you know, this one at Newcastle at the moment. I mean, they're just going to pump bloody millions upon millions in, don't, aren't they? And you think, Oof, you know, um, it's going to become absolutely the top of the Premier. It's going to become absolutely uh, just a, a, a club in itself, I think. And very hard for anybody to, to even get anywhere near that. Now, we're scrapping away now to stay in that, that league and hopefully keep where we are, maybe sometimes upsetting their uh, their apple cart. Do you think that the so the, the new takeover of Newcastle, will that create a lot of additional pressure on clubs like us towards the bottom of the league, not just in that Newcastle themselves will improve, but the whole knock-on effects of transfer fees contracts, wages, will that create a lot of pressure on well, clubs they, like us? They, they, they will obviously go through the roof, won't they? They'll be signing massive contracts and that that we can't even think of. But not, not that we really were in some of their leagues uh, then. Our, our players' wage bill at the moment is about £80 million. I think there's one or two single players in, in their companies that, that, that will get that. So we're always going to have to be, um, you know, got to run it properly and work within those sort of constraints where some of these with the massive, you know, Arabs behind them and loans and everything, they're just through the roof in a different planet than we are. Yeah, I mean, we are, we are jumping ahead slightly from what we want to go through, but it's, okay. it's relevant, relevant at this point, I think, in terms of how, um, how, how did it feel to be in the company of these types of people because presumably you're at boardrooms, you've been in boardrooms at away grounds and they've been into the boardroom at Burnley when these other owners come along. I mean, some of them don't bother. They don't bother going to the games, but quite a few of them do. Some of them do. Not that many, actually. You know, if you're owned by a Saudi Arabian, I keep saying Saudi Arabia, but you know what I mean? They don't really come to that many games. Manchester City, 
you know, the owner there. You don't really see him. His chief executive will be there and Mike Summerby and some of these sort of people. But the actual, actual owners don't go that often to a, to, to, to a game. Some do. I know, the, you know, the Leicester guys did, didn't you? The guys that, mm. that, that sadly died. I did see him a lot. But quite a lot of these, I think they're just there for the status and they can watch it on the telly in their own country and say, that's my club. But actually going, you know, on a November Saturday to watch play Burnley, I don't think that's that high up on their, uh, on their list. Especially if they lose. Especially if they lose. Yeah, I mean, it, it's in, interesting to see that balance because obviously you, you've come through at, at the level you did and you've invested a lot of money in Burnley Football Club. But as we said, it's kind of small fry to what a, 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 an individual would have to do now to, uh, to to buy a football club. It has just changed uh, changed so much. Yes, it's really. Is. And like some people have lost massive money. I always look down now and see Sunderland down there. Gates are 30,000 mm-hmm. and yet they're still in the third tier of English football. Sheffield Wednesday as well. Sheffield Wednesday, uh, Portsmouth, you know, some big, what I call big clubs there. Uh, now, all three of them are foreign owned, actually, I think. Certainly Pompey are. But they're, they're not people that's been like this This Saudi, they haven't pumped billions in. They, quite a lot start off thinking it's going to be easy and then go, whoa, and, and almost like, uh, you know, they'll keep the shares, but they ain't going to keep chucking money in. They've bought players and thinking it'd be easy, and it's not. It's definitely not. Yeah, I mean, that, that tends to be the problem in the championship, doesn't it? I, I think Burnley did well to get out when we did. Now, the, the sorts of money coming through, and this kind of comes on to the next point I had regarding the situation Burnley had. We got that fantastic promotion uh, in 2008-9, playoff uh, win at Wembley. Um, but the finances before that, we've, we've made quite a push, haven't we, to get to that point and to, uh, to get to that position. It, it, there was quite a big, a lot, a lot riding on that game, wasn't there? There was. Don't get me wrong, we weren't betting the ranch, right? I'm coming, you know, we, we knew what we were doing. Sometimes you have to think the old football way is we have a, that player who's an asset. And if it doesn't work out, we are going to have to sell a player. That, that was very much, you know, I used to work in football. If you got, you know, you have to sell, selling players was used so often. Uh, to, 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 to break even or cover losses or, or whatever. Um, so, you know, we were, we were ready. We, we weren't, you know, we weren't going to the dogs or anything like that. But obviously it was a massive thing to win it, obviously. And what were your memories of, uh, of that day, Barry? They were fabulous. That was one of the best days in my life. I've got a photograph here of being, you know, just... Uh, uh, you know, Steve Caldwell and my wife were all hugging each other on the thing. It was a fantastic day. And to get there and, you know, the way we beat Reading just beforehand, if you remember, that was a really good performance. Uh, but that was something else, wasn't it? To win on that day and just to sit back and think, we've made it. We have actually got back to the Premier League. Fantastic. After all those years, what, early 70s, I think? 76, yeah, 33 years we were away. God, you're fabulous with your stats. <laughs> 76, yeah. Yeah, something like that. And, you know, and what we'd gone through, and my God, you know, the, the famous Orient game as well in there. 
uh, where I've, I've been told that if we had lost that game, we would have gone out of business. There wouldn't have been a Burnley Football Club. Uh, there was no like league, set fifth league, if you like, to come back and all that. And thank goodness the almighty was looking over us that day. Just as he was at Wembley. That was a, a magical day. I remember I was only, I must have been, I was eight, yeah, I was eight years old that day. Oh I my goodness, we're in, yeah. We're in the top tier at Wembley and I have two yeah. memories pretty much of the day. And it was just looking at the, the massive stadium for the first time being there. And then I remember after the game, just walking down the stairs and I was just in floods of tears. But yeah. obviously tears, just tears of joy. And I think yeah. my dad was exactly the same, but he was trying to hold it together a bit. <laughs> but what I was going but to like ask I said, is... it had been, been all those years, and we'd nearly gone out of the league and perhaps out of existence. And, you know, we had got back. It was, it was a brilliant day, like you say. What, what was your first thought after the celebrations that night, or maybe the day after, maybe the day after that, what was your first thought in the, the football, the football-wise? Was it, oh gosh, how, how are we going to stay up? Or was it? Let's just enjoy this year for what it is. Well, I don't think I. I think I don't have been able to done it the day after. I think we'd had a few uh, <laughs> a few beers by the time the following day came. I did an interview, if I remember, on Sky Telly or something. I thought, oh God Almighty! Um, but uh, yeah, like everything now, right? We've got to sit down with Mister Coyle and uh, just uh, say, right. Is this new money coming in? Where are we? What players, etc., like that? We want we want to stay in this league, and and you start building it up again. Because there was some discussion around that time as well about whether he was going to go for Celtic straight after winning the playoff final. There was a talk he, of Celtic coming in. He did. He did on the day we we won have a phone call with Celtic. Um. Now, did, did he tell us, did somebody overhear it? I can't just remember on that, but he was speaking to Celtic. But we we got him in. Me and Brendan Flood was with me that day and said, oh, look, come on, this is a fabulous opportunity. You know, there's only two teams in Scotland. Come on, you can go out and play a man using all these. So that's when, you know, we knew we'd, uh, it, it was with us for half a season. Yeah, welcome back to the second half of this very special No Nay Never podcast with our very special guest, Barry Kilby. Um, and we've just got up to the uh, Burnley's first Premier League season and uh, the small matter of uh, the Burnley manager leaving, going to Bolton Wanderers and taking virtually the whole backroom staff with him. What sort of a, a shot was that in the boardroom, Barry? It was an absolute disaster. Knew something, knew nothing about it. Uh, we got to Christmas, we were down, you know, we were scrapping away down the bottom, but we we're doing okay. And then um, it, it, it was, I was actually, I was abroad, I think we were in Switzerland or something. I got the thing that Owen wanted to speak to us. And then it got the famous thing that he'd been speaking to uh, Bolton Wanderers. And uh, he, 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 he wanted to go. And uh, famous, uh, the famous quote that he did, to a, a club 10 years ahead of Burnley Football Club. And, you know, um, it wasn't just that either. It was that he took the whole of the staff with him as well. And that was a real blow. We were, we were 
you know, I, I went and saw and said, come on, you can't do this. No, I'm sorry that, you know, it's something there, right? Uh, and then, you know, all the staff, come on, boys. And he took everybody with him and we were left absolutely blooming well, you know, decimated uh, by that. And I, I think we had a very decent chance of staying in the division if he had stayed. But he obviously saw this, uh, what he called a bigger club. And uh, that was that. And we lost them. And unfortunately, we, we got relegated at the end of the year. And what sort of challenges were there in there in terms of trying to, obviously, we, we know that uh, Brian Laws came in as uh, manager, but obviously, as you mentioned, there's other staff having to come in as well. How did that uh, you know, we did the We did the best we can and promoted people. And, 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 and he, then Brian brought some of his own people. Um, but we, we couldn't hold on and, and we were down again. Um, but it was really disappointing, really was, you know, and, and uh, to happen just then, crucially, right in the middle of the season at Christmas time, and no, no inkling at all, no inkling at all, and then bang. Anyway. We, we, we played Bolton between Christmas and New Year, if I remember right. Yeah, we so did. Whether anything was uh, yeah. said there. It was there, wasn't it? They beat us, but mm. uh, one nil, I think, wasn't it? A couple of players, didn't we? Lost a couple of players on that. Um, it, it was, it was really was to 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 wipe the play the coaching staff out as well was really something. Right in the middle of the season, it was really a, a horrible thing to happen. Did did that make the the hiring process harder for a manager in that? You'd have to bring in, you know, you'd have, you'd have to bring in some guys with you rather than coming we in. We had to really start. Yeah, he did know some sort of people and everything like that. And, and you know, we did, we did, it did start. I can't just remember the names now, but uh, we did start to build it up again. But it, it really was a, a terrible thing to happen in that second half. And, you know, it, it meant relegation. And it was, a, you know, really was. <laughs> But he obviously thought going to Bolton was um, a better move in his career. And look who's smiling now. <laughs> well, there are 10 years in front of us. I hope We've not. We're worrying time in 2030, haven't we? Yeah, we better start preparing now. I said we've got a worrying time in about 2030, in about uh, nine years' time. Yeah, yeah, all right then. We'll have a think about that one. Um, I mean, you mentioned about recruitment. We, we've mentioned about previous managers. You inherited Stan. You recruited, obviously, you're involved in the, the process to recruit, recruit Steve Cottrell. Um, and then, obviously, Owen Coyle himself coming in. And then, obviously, the, the Brian Laws one was kind of a really dif difficult situation in the middle of the season. How well, did we, you find the managerial we, process, the process well, to hire course, new managers? We, we were interviewing people in January that were all out of work. And, you know, try because like, you know, it, it was the middle of a season and, uh, you know, we had, we had, we, we had to sort of try and get going and Brian did come through very well. And uh, I still wouldn't, you know, be too hard on him for what, how, how it, 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 it came about at the end of the day. I can't, bl I can't blame him for stay for not staying in the league. Uh, at the end of that season, we, we were really scrambling around for everything. But, uh, you know, that's what happened. And then obviously into the next season and things didn't quite work out. Um, 
and it was, it, you know, he was certainly the best candidate we had, was Brian. And he'd done very well at Chef Wednesday. I don't know if you remember that. He'd done really well. Um, and Scunthorpe before that as well. And Scunthorpe before that. So we had all the credentials, but somehow we didn't just get together on that one. As well as football, we wanted to highlight the work of the Barry Kilby Prostate Cancer Appeal. Um, and I guess that story starts with your own uh, diagnosis in 2011, I believe. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about how that led to you setting up the charity? Yes. Um, what happened was that it just uh, just in a general uh, um, uh, medic medical uh, inspection that I got, I was lucky that they did just take a PSA test and I didn't know what a PSA test was. And I was, they came back and said, whoa, this is really serious. Look, you know, you've got, you know, the high thing, it was 80. I won't bore you with the technicalities, but you know, you've got to do something now. But I only came across it by accident. And we, you know, luckily, luckily in inverted commas, I was able to get real, um, you know, get something done about it and, and treated. Whereas if it had gone a lot longer, I, I, I wouldn't have been here now. Fabulous bit from David Sullivan at West Ham. He was good putting me in all the right places and everything like that. So it came, but it came home to me that men don't know. We're terrible going to doctors ourselves and asking to things, you know. And uh, so it was, it was really just a thought on that. Now, there had been a couple of tests at Burnley. The Burn, there'd been a, some of the lads at Burnley had had one test and that, you know, with a, a small things, they, they were saying, we need more PSA tests. But I thought, no, come on, we've got to go this in a big way. I phoned the Barry Kilby Prostate Cancer Appeal and went down that line of, yeah, we'll do it through football clubs. Men will go to a club with their mates and the publicity they can, they can uh, generate where, you know, because it's something where you don't get the symptoms easily, all right, you might go in for a wee in the night more often than that, but it's often way down the line before you really know there's something wrong. But if you can get it tested early and get people will come out to the football game and get the publicity and go with their mates to the game, we can do it. So that's, that's the line we've been going down now. And we've certainly saved, I would say, 400 lives, 500 lives. Um, we have Burnley, uh, we've started again with Burnley two weeks ago. We had 400 people come down and I've just got the results back actually. We have what we call red and amber. Red, you're in real trouble. Amber, you're on the cusp. Green, okay, see you next time. And we got uh, 30 uh, of, that, of that in, which is about right um, between uh, red and green and now we've got onto them to the doctors going ahead um, I've got Rochdale coming up I have a big one of two big ones at Man City and Liverpool and we raise funds to, to get this off got a, we, we've got a you know all the epidermis all the thing now ready and luckily we're, down, we're now we're ready to get back on the road again after being COVID and shutting it down but it's something I'm very passionate about because you know have my life saved and it, it is it is a killer there are about 15,000 men die every year of, of, of prostate cancer and like I say it's not easy to pick up but the PSA test could be the first indication and we can do it and we've saved all you know and we're going to do it now through football
perfect way, isn't it, really? You know, everyone goes to the football every Saturday and, and it's sort of... Uh, it's, you've got, it you've becomes got, part of the ritual almost of yeah. Um, when, when you're Burnley the now, it was really great. As I said, we had that that four to five hundred people men come up. I was there. Next, my next one's Rochdale. I do. I've done Burnley Golf Club as well in between. But you know, but uh, it, it's it's got we've got them all tied up. Uh, Pompey. I've got Portsmouth coming up. Um, so you know. We're back on the road now, and it's a it's a big thing. We we have our own lottery that we do. We get donations. I don't know if you know. I've I've written a short storybook. I don't know if you know about that one. We've both got that, yeah. Have you got that one? It's yes. a bit racy, yeah. I'm afraid, but you know, you know, just one of those things. Um, and we sold about twenty thousand of those at two quid. That's forty grand we've got in. Very um, good. So it's it's just something I'm very passionate about, as you can tell. And we are saving, and we are saving lives, and it's a it's a big thing, prostate cancer, that's got left behind in a way, because, you know, there's no national thing like there is for breast cancer for women, etc. So this football route is we're going down, and as I say, with some real big ones now, uh, Liverpool and Man City coming round, as well as like going to Rochdale and and that type of thing. Is there any plans to to take it into a, any other sports, Barry, like uh, cricket or or the rugby? Um, well, or, or I, I did, it... I, I did want. It, it's not particularly big, but Bob Willis died of prostate cancer, and we did a testing in the summer uh, when they came. What was his what was his county he played for? Worcester? No. Uh, Warwickshire. 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 Yeah. Warwickshire against Lancashire. We did a test day then. That's the, that's the that's the one we did at cricket because it was with with Bob Willis, and he was you know the way he he did die of prostate cancer, and his wife was involved in all that type of thing, but at the, at the moment football is is my is my you know big one, that, that we're doing it by but certainly uh, could do it via cricket uh, as well. Yeah, it's plenty of money for everyone. I've got to pay me phlebotomists and all this type of stuff and do all that. So it, it's. Uh, uh, you know, uh, we have to raise the money, but things are going okay and we're ready to go again. Yeah, and we encourage our listeners to go and uh, donate if they can do to Yeah, there are things. It's it's uh, it's usually men over 50 that it comes to. Uh, but actually, actually, the Burnley one, I was surprised, there was a guy just over 40 that, 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 was, that proved positive. That's unusual, but and there are various ethnic mixes as well that where it's more... It's more uh, rel- uh, it can happen more often than in, than in other ones. But very basically, you know, just get that test. And once we've got it, we can start to, 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 to get it under control. Uh, mine got out. It got, it got to my pelvic bones and all this. But I've, I've, I've now been, like you say, I've been 10 years nearly. Uh, OSS still alive. And, uh, you know, um, let's keep going. Yeah, and yeah. still doing some amazing work. Barry, you you stepped aside, didn't you? That that kind of uh, put your mind to to step down as Burnley chairman. That was in twenty twelve. You stayed on as a director, but you I, I, uh, focused on the uh, on the I charity. I honestly group. thought that I might I might not be here, and then, uh, I, like I say, the Almighty was looking down on me, and yes, I was, and uh, and then I came back as uh, as uh, vice vice chairman under Mike. Um, so that's where I've been up to uh, what's just happened recently.
Um, how did yep. it feel when Burnley qualified for Europe? Obviously, you mentioned earlier on about your father going to the oh, first cup games in seven. How how did it feel to it, be able to go and watch those games when yeah, Burnley? It was absolutely brilliant. Obviously, we went to uh, Athens and Istanbul, was it? I think, yeah. And Not to go with all the fans. Oh, and Aberdeen as well. I suppose that is a foreign country. And uh, it, it was really, yeah. Yeah, to do that was, was fabulous. And I did think about my dad a lot. And for Burnley fans to go and the ones I met there and everything, um, boy, it was like, we have come back a long way, lads, you know. And uh, yeah, it was a fabulous time to qualify for Europe again. Yeah, and it was quite a lot of nostalgia in the programmes, wasn't it? Looking back on the, 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 the home programmes. Yeah, those games, that, that's, games. you know, the, 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 uh, uh, the 62... 62 one, I think, yeah, when we won the league. Was it 60, Barry? 60. Uh, well, 1960 when we won the league, and then we had 60 61 for the European. That's Cup. right. That, that and was obviously the first Cup. Cup was. I've got pictures in the, uh, I've got all photographs and everything, uh, you know, of uh, Jimmy Adamson shaking hands with the uh, Reams guy, mm. uh, yeah. etc. You know, it was something fabulous to get back and be playing in Europe again. Maybe we'll uh, we'll enjoy that again sometime soon. Um, going forward, though, in terms of ownership, it's, it's a, a logical uh, move forward. Um, obviously, your time as a director came to an end at the end of last year when the club's ownership changed. How much of a, a wrench was that to kind of uh, to let go of something that had been such a big part of your life for the last 20 years, 20, more than 20 years? It, it was a massive wrench. Um, uh, and I'm finding it now much more than I thought it would be. Mm. Um, it was like, like you say, after all those years and and being part of the, you know, the directors, et cetera, et cetera, and having a, a say, influence on, on things that were done for it to go through. Um, I was offered a, to be a club ambassador by the uh, ALK, but really, really, I, I didn't want to, to do it so a couple of the other directors are now, they've got seats near the old director's box. But I said, no, so I've gone across the way. So I'm, I'm on the uh, James Hargreaves stand and with my table there. And I'm really enjoying it with the fans. And I think that's how I'm going to have to do it now. Um, but it's, it, it is a, a bit of a wrench, particularly getting to away games, because um, I don't have any getting in there now. And I have to smile to myself. Uh, going to City on uh, uh, Saturday, uh, so I'm, I'm in with I'm in with the chuckers we uh, with, with two of my sons, so we'll be there sat behind the goals with the uh, with the Burnley fans. That is a massive change now. So I'm sure you'll get recognised. Well, maybe, but uh, you know that's uh, that's there. But it, it is a massive thing after twenty odd years, obviously, and uh, not having influence then that that. that uh, I did have. How, how involved during the takeover process were you, Barry, in, in, the, in the talks I, themselves? I was hardly involved in t at all. Uh, what happened was I did have a, um, an agreement with, I, I can't say who, um, another to, to sell my shares in 1975, 1975. Uh, two, 2000, when, when I became 75, I thought, well, I'd probably be... Uh, they're not here or you know do lally or something 
But in that agreement, there was what they call an anti-embarrassment clause, where if that person sold his shares uh, uh, before that, I was tagged along. So I was in a tag, tag along on this one. So I had no, uh, you know, negotiations with. I did, I did have a, a few, one or two conversations, you know, and they had interesting things, uh, you know, um, new technology and and uh, uh, got a esports, is it called women's football, which is great. They, they want to push that. Now, whether they're going to be the revenue earners and things like that, I don't know. But uh, I thought, you know, they have a decent chance. What I didn't know was that I rather instantly thought they were paying for it themselves, not putting it the impetus on the club, which I did. worries me a lot. Um, I was going to touch uh, on this, actually. And I, I listened to the, the, the interview you did with the Spitting Feathers podcast. And, and I, I, the one thing that jumped out to me was you spoke about the pride of the club at the time being debt-free, and with a substantial amount of money in the bank, whereas when we talk now, the club does have a substantial amount of debt, and with none of that original eighty million or whatever it was in the bank, do you? Do you, I mean? Obviously, it doesn't sound as though you know you're best pleased about it. But are you worried about what that might mean for us going forward, or is it manageable? I think, I think we all have to worry uh, as Burnley fans. Uh, they can come through these lads, don't get me wrong, and they've got a lot of, they seem extremely efficient, etc, etc. But what worries me slightly is if we got relegated, straight away we lose about 50 million quid. So we've got to somehow get our P&L together mm. to accommodate that, and that's extremely worrying to me. But hopefully we can get out and they, they will come through. They're, they're very competent and, you know, uh, like I said, the new technology thing, I can't, I can't come on to it. But they are a worry. There is a worry there. And just going back, we mentioned about managers. Obviously, Sean Dyche is still manager. Uh, he's been with us for coming up uh, nine years now. Um, and you, again, it was kind of after you'd left as chairman, you're still a director. Were you involved particularly in his recruitment, that, that process? When yes, Sean very Dyche much was... so. Very much so. I was... Uh, um, in fact, it was very soon after I'd left. I, you know, it was, it was mm. you know, and uh, it was. Uh, I they had some interviews at, at my house. I think he came and everything like that, and uh, you know, he came over extremely well. So I was part of the of the committee that uh, appointed Sean, and boy, what a, what an appointment that's worked out to be. Definitely. And, uh, I, you know, I've got a great relationship with Sean. He, he, he lives up here uh, in Worley during the week because his family is still down in, in the Midlands. So I, I live quite near to him. And so we sort of got him meeting up and he's there with Ian Warren and everything. So we have our 10-point parties. So every 10 points, we're down there in uh, Worley Wine Boy having a few and then going off to, uh, to have a meal every 10 points. We've done that all the way through, and I've very, you know, he's been a fabulous manager for us, and uh, you know, I'm delighted that he signed his contract, uh, you know, to, to carry on because he he's been a great manager for us, um, maybe the greatest if you want to think about what league he's in, etc., etc. Certainly, certainly the greatest in my lifetime. And funnily yeah. enough, we, I I live in Barrow actually, so I I sometimes see him in in Worley. Uh, shyly go like, 
Hi, Gaffer. Nice to see you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, well, they are great. And, yeah, they're you know, brilliant. Somehow, I'm, I'm just hoping now we can do as usual and pull the rabbit out of the hat and keep us in this division. We spoke then about Sean's appointment just being, you know, as, as good as anyone could have wished for, probably better than anyone could have wished for back then. Is there, is there, it might be this, but is there a single decision that you think during your time with the club, that was the best decision I made or was it taking over in the first place? Oh gosh. I'm putting you on the spot here. <laughs> well, no, taking over was something for me, but certainly in managerial terms, getting Sean together was there, but it wasn't just me. The other people, the other guys did, did come through for him. He did, he did. And he did his record. He, he hardly, he'd been at Watford half a season, I think. But somehow at the interview he did and everything and that forceful passion that he's got came through. And everybody just thought, you know, I think, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so. And uh, what a great thing it was for us. And I'm absolutely delighted, like I say, he's, he's signed an extension to his contract. And look how many uh, managers Watford have had since then. Yeah, yeah. We've got to beat them though now. I thought, you know, come on, lads, let's get some points. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, let's hope we can just pick this up. I'm expecting a win on Saturday against City anyway. Well, we've, we've lost the last four or five nil, haven't we? So we need to... Uh, I think we go for a nil-nil draw, won't we? We'd take, take that now, wouldn't we? OK, yeah, OK then. I, I, I agree with you. <laughs> Um, I think uh, one, one final thing I wanted to, to look at, I mean, obviously we've mentioned quite a lot about the football side, we've mentioned about the uh, charity. Um, what else can people do to, to get involved? You've obviously um, got a um, fundraising going on, you've got a, a, a lottery, there's yeah. other ways... Please, look at, it, please, look, at, look, at our, please look at our website, you know, and get on all the infos on there. Um, we really are, it really will save men's lives. If you get into the lottery, just it just costs two pounds a week, um, you know, and that goes towards paying because we have to pay all the phlebotomists and do all that type of thing. But it, it you can win money and then do or be on that one. But 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 really is something I want to really push. We've got so many people coming around now. I mean, I've got I've got Ipswich Town, I've got Pompey, I've got Plymouth. Um, I've just told you, you've got Rochdale, then the two biggies we've got there. And, you know, it's all going to want funding this. But I'll yeah, tell you what, on ev on everyone will save lives. Everyone. And also, it's something us men have to look. You lads look really fit in that. But get to that 50, get testing, lads, because it can come when you've no, you know, You've, you've no inkling it is, and I was so lucky to get tested when I did. Yeah, and we'll certainly be linking. We'll be linking all everything that all the oh, thank you very much know in our in our thank show you. notes. And just one final question from me: uh, We heard that you're going to Manchester City on on Saturday, so uh, I think maybe more for you with the. Do you know, uh, I've said that. you did. You did commit to it, but I just wondered. Obviously, you grew up in Great Harwood, I believe, and going to Manchester City on Saturday. What, what, with all the success that you achieved, what has kept you in the northwest rather than heading for sunlit uplands elsewhere? What's, all, what's kept me in the northwest with my businesses and everything? It just worked on, by the way, my, my, my office was in Blackburn. 
So, you know, I had to put up with all that. Um, it's just one of those things. And it, it, it's, it's connected because uh, I, I told you I worked in the lottery office at Burnley for a year. And that got me into like the, the, the scratch cards and all that type of thing. And, but also my family was into it. Uh, my granddad was a bookie on Blackburn Dogs of all things. And, but he also had a small printing place where he did that. And it, it just came through and we got the skills were there. And then I had a couple of Irish partners, etc. And then I got this big breakthrough through uh, when things like the Sun newspaper, uh, Times came, I invented a game called Portfolio. And then I went on to all sorts of games and I didn't need to leave. You know, and the talent was all around here because the Northwest is great for people who's got gaming skills and, you know, what a draw is, etc. So there's no way, even though my, 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 my clients were all the big London uh, newspapers and, and that type of thing. But then it went massive abroad and there's no need to leave. And I, I do love it up here and, and my kids and everything. So really. And then there's always Burnley Football Club, isn't there? Yeah, you know that's there to be there every 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 other Saturday to go and watch. I've got one son that's down in London. He he tries to get up whenever he can, but those are still around here as yet. And we, like I said, we're there with the pie chuckers on Saturday. Yeah, and we certainly benefited from you staying uh, in the northwest before Dave wraps up. I just want to say thank you. Really, obviously, you took over the club 1998. I was born a couple of years later in 2000, and I think. When, when we went to Athens in 2000, must have been 2018 now. I remember yeah. at the end of the game, it must have been at least 20 minutes afterwards. But I think you were stand up in the director's box. And I'm yeah. certain it was almost every single of the thousand fans that were there were singing. There's one Barry Kilby. And I think that moment just summed it up for me from 1998 to, you know, really torrid times all the way through to playing in Europe again under Sean. I mean, you can't wish for more, much more than that for a small mill town. So before Dave wraps up, I just want to say thank you. Well, thank you very much. I do appreciate that. Thank you. No, it's been a yeah, pleasure. Thank you very much, Barry, for your time today and for imparting your wisdom to our listeners. I'm sure there's lots of nuggets in there that they'll uh, have enjoyed. Oh, we, we certainly have. Okay. Well, it's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. And I might see you on Saturday, yeah? For a win. Fingers for a win. crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed, yeah. You're no, no, we said we'd take a draw, didn't we? Thank you once again to Barry Kilby for agreeing to appear as our guest on this very special episode of the podcast. I'll be back again this Friday with Natalie Bromley to preview that match against Manchester City. So do join us again then. I've been Dave Roberts and this has been the No Near Never podcast. Until next time. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.